Welcome to the Game of Crowdfunding Interview Edition, recorded Wednesday, January 15th, 2014. And today we're going to be talking to somebody that is no stranger to Kickstarter and no stranger to Kickstarter success. So, who are we talking to on Google Hangout today? Well, hello, Jeff. This is Michael Coe with Gameland Games. I love your voice, man. That was a great intro. <laughs> Thanks. You know, actually, we're just going to sit here. I'm, I'm not even going to ask you any questions. We're just going to watch the money roll in. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I was actually talking to my mother-in-law, and she, she's been glued to it, too. And she's like, it's like watching a slow, like, month-long horse race. <laughs> You know, uh, I've I've told you personally, and I've told a couple people whenever your name kind of comes up, or uh, when people have been asking who I'm interviewing this month, I have labeled you, and I t- I think I told you this at Gen Con. You, sir, are uh, my run for happiest person in gaming. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I like that. I will I will gladly take that title, which I think is just awesome and amazing. Is one of the many reasons that I wanted to sit down and talk to you. Unfortunately, there was a time in the past you and I were supposed to talk, and things got messed up, and it didn't happen. <laughs> but luckily, we, this project came along. Luckily, you you know you've got plenty of games coming our way. <laughs> hey, I'm working hard at that, man. That's that's my passion. So right. let's run down some quick uh, get to know you type questions first. Is gaming your full-time thing? And if not, then what do you do as a profession, either uh, as vague or as detailed as you want to get? Sure. No, you know what? I am working hard to get gaming to be my full-time thing. However, it is not at this time. <laughs> I still put a good 40 hours a week into the Outback Steakhouse. I am a front-of-the-house manager, and I also bartend on the off shifts. And so just kind of a mix of the two. But it's the you know it's the hospitality business. That's what I've grown up in. That's what I love. And I've you know I've taken a lot from being in customer service my whole life and uh, been able to apply that to the gaming business. And it's wonderful. Awesome. What makes you a geek, sir? Oh man, I am a geek through and through from from freaking childhood. I grew. I'm a Nintendo <laughs> baby. You know, I was born in the early '80s, and so by the time I was old enough to start like paying attention to things, all my brothers were in the other room playing the video games, playing Duck Hunt. I mean, this is like, you know, even Atari and whatnot. And so just from an early age, I grew up on video games and it stuck with me in a big, major way. I mean, I remember as a kid playing with the Teddy Ruxpin and, you know, opening up the book and and on the front cover, there's a map. And I just remember I would get lost in that map and just, you know, imagining this vast, fantastic world and, you know, collecting the little toys in the airship and, and all that. And so, I mean, man, it's just been a part of me from day one. We like to kind of point out that you can kind of geek out about anything. So do you have any uh, geek level passions for something that most people would not consider geek related? Oh, not considered geek related. Uh, you know, that's an interesting question. I don't, uh, you know, everything that I geek out about is, well, okay, maybe, maybe, when I was a little bit younger, this is probably about, you know, high school age, I was super into Broadway music. That's not geeky, like board game geeky per se, but I geeked out pretty hard about that. I remember I had a, a music album in my car, uh, you know, where when you used to need CDs and you didn't just plug in your iDevice and my car got broken into. And, you know, I, I came out and I, I see my doors open, stuff's thrown all over the place. It was devastating. And I see my CD, you know, case and I, I open it up and I start fanning through it and all my CDs are missing with the exception of like my 20 Broadway CDs. They decided to leave those <laughs> for whatever reason. They didn't want to hear Oklahoma and Carousel and all right. 
All right. So, you know, um, let's get into why the gaming industry? Why uh, not only designing, but why become a publisher? Sure. You know, it all kind of started... Uh, I mean, I can say it started back when I was a kid I, in, in terms of wanting to express creativity through game concepts. And at that time, when I was a kid, I wasn't like, oh, I'm a game designer and I'm going to grow up and be a game designer. You know, it wasn't like that at all. But it was like, eh, I don't want to read the rule books. I hate reading. So I'll just take all these pieces and do whatever I want. And uh, But, you know, but yet there was a logical part of me that was like, if I'm going to just be making up stuff, then it's got to make sense and it's got to have checks and balances. And so, I mean, it, it just started way back then with Hero Quest and, and other, you know, little miniatures and just messing around Legos, you name it. And uh, so that's, you know, that's kind of where the seed was planted. But growing up into video games and playing video games my whole life, a story that I reference from time to time, because it's a, a clear transition from where I was as a gamer to where I want to be as a game creator. And that was right around the time that I was real deep into World of Warcraft. Still love that game. Still probably, in my opinion, the greatest game made. But I just I can't bring myself to play it because I just I, I get so into it. I'm so addicted to hitting the dailies and blah 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 so instead of playing the game you know i played it for about five years i mean i'm talking martial you know old school pvp if you're a wild WoW player back in vanilla wow you know what i'm talking about if not then let me just tell you that it's the kind of thing where you're putting like 14 hours a day into it nonstop. it's it's really bad it's really a it can become dangerous in your life so and i, I played the game and i loved it and i pushed so hard for so many years and i just you know i kind of i don't know what was the click but i had this awakening and i was like you know what i gotta start thinking about something different. And my wife and I were on a road trip to Utah and she put in a, a CD for uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer. He's a kind of a motivational self-help speaker. And he just started talking about what people do with their free time. And are you spending your free time on something that is productive, that is you know, forwarding your life in a way? And so that's when I was like, oh, you know what? That's when it hit me really hard. And, and then I was like, oh, I put so much time into World of Warcraft. And sure, I sell gold to my buddies and I'll make like 50 bucks a pop doing that. But that's not really anything. That's not progressing my life. I need to really take a hard look at what I'm doing. And so I decided to just, you know, cut it out cold turkey. I, I stopped playing. I, I canceled my account, turned all that off. And I, you know, and Dr. Wayne Dyer suggests that he was like, you know, stop everything you're doing. And in your, in your boredom, you'll, you know, find inspiration for what you need to be doing with your free time. And that's what happened. I, I stopped playing games, but all that was in my mind were games. And I was just like, I just, I'm still always thinking about these games. And I just, you know, I love games so much. I love gaming and, and the whole nine yards and fantasy and you name it. And so I was like, okay, well then maybe instead of playing games, I'm going to make games and, and just try my hand at that. And so I, I looked into it and, you know, it's a tough business. There's a lot of people that want to do it. Back when I was in film school, the saying was, everybody's got a screenplay. Now the saying is, everybody's got a board game. It just seems, you know, everybody wants to be a part of that. And I love it. And I love that passion. And I'm glad to see so many great games coming out. I think there's a, a lot of untapped talent out there in you know terms of game design. But that's where I kind of got the start. And uh, so I started working on a game, started developing it, I started researching the industry. And I just saw, I just, you know, I was able to kind of put two and two together and figured, hey, if I really want game creation to be something that takes care of me and my wife and my child, then I'm, I'm going to need to go into the publishing end of it. My father was an entrepreneur. I've got it in my blood. I love business. I love, you know, the logistics and as stupid as it is, I love statistics and numbers and all that. And so I figured, you know, let's, let's combine the game creation with the business side of me and let's go into, you know, publishing instead of just designing. And, and so I guess that, you know, 
all in one breath. That's where it's at. <laughs> you know what? And uh, there's a whole lot I want to explore there, but you just reminded me of something during that part of the conversation <laughs> that I wanted to bring up. Okay, you, you've met me and you've met Cyrus over at Father Geek. Uh-huh. Cyrus and I do another podcast together that is reviewing horror movies once a month. So why would I bring that up, Michael? <laughs> hmm. Well, let me see. I think there was a, a you know a little deep, dark secret in my past. <laughs> yeah, no, I would, I would love to. I would definitely be interested in, in maybe chatting something like that if something like that ever comes up and you're interested. <laughs> Let's let our listeners in on it. All right, all right. So, uh, yeah, you know, all through growing up as well, in addition to, to gaming, and I would attribute this to even Dungeons & Dragons because at a young age, I got sucked into Dungeons and & Dragons and, and played that, you know, hours and hours and hours. And I, I loved the immersion and the creativity and the amount of imagination you have to put into that. And that played into, you know, a love for the theatrical element of things and, and acting things out. And, and so in school, I got into plays and went all through high school doing stage plays and drama club. And I mean, you, you name it. I was, I was a, you know, geek through and through. And from there, I, I wanted to pursue that a little bit more professionally as well. And so during my senior year in high school, I got hooked up with an agent through my drama teacher at school. It was his agent. I started going to auditions. Fortunately, I started booking auditions and, and actually started getting paid and getting real jobs. And I remember being so proud. I was the only kid in my high school that was allowed to have a beard. They, were, they have a super strict rule about beards. But I had booked a job on a film and the director, you know, contacted my agent who contacted the school principal and was like, hey, we got to have him keep his beard. And so I was like super proud about that, which is kind of stupid and, and nonsensical. But, it, it, you know, for some reason, it I liked that. So yeah, you know, I, I took that and, and it, it did pretty good. And I, I started getting some, some good jobs. And to get to the point, I ended up playing a supporting lead in Urban Legends Bloody Mary, um, you know, Hollywood feature that is, has gone on to do very well in, uh, in straight to DVD market, you know, millions of dollars. And so it's been a big hit. It stars Kate Mara, who's, who's now become a huge Hollywood name. And, and she's on her way to being an A-lister one day. And she's, you know, apart from Mark Wahlberg and all these other big guys now. And so people tend to, attached to her and want to go back and watch her old movies and, and bam, they run into Urban Legends Bloody Mary and, and there I am right on the cover of the DVD and I've got a pretty nice role. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if uh, Cyrus and I decide to review it, uh, we'll have to get a hold of you and uh, we won't even make you shave your head since the uh, podcast is called Two Bald Geeks. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Hey, so long as you don't make me shave my beard, right? That's the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, that was a, an awesome, awesome walk down memory lane. Like I said, I was, it, you were talking about it and it just kind of, oh, that's right. I, I need to, I need to ask him about that because, because of our other podcast. <laughs> All right. So, cool. you know, you, you get this passion, you get this, this idea to start actually designing games. How did you, how did you take that, say, like from, okay, you know what? I, I keep thinking about games. Uh, maybe I should try my hand at it to actually getting to a point where, you create a game that you think is ready for publication. Sure. You know, if I start way back at the beginning when I started, you know, with uh, Lords, Ladies and Lizards, which was kind of my first official, but not published. And, and who knows if it'll ever, if I ever will publish it, but it was the first real, uh, you know, project of passion that I began on. And so I really cut my teeth on that. And, and I took it to Gen Con. First year I went to Gen Con and tried to shop it around to other publishers and, you know, I wasn't quite sure whether I was going to get into trying to make it myself or if I wanted to sell it out. And that's where I met Patrick Nickel, who a lot of us are all very familiar with, very passionate guy, just like myself. And we really hit it off. 
And so we started figuring, hey, we got a lot of similar ideas. And uh, so that's, you know, we kind of went into creating games together. And that's a that's a big, long story for another time. But the whole process of it is, you know, now whether I, I'm designing games or picking up other, other uh, designs, because, you know, at this point, my time is is really the intangible element that I, I just I wish I had more of that resource. And so I haven't really been designing very much anymore. I just have, you know, gotten a lot of submissions that I'm looking over and that kind of rolls into, you know, Scott Alms through Tiny Epic Kingdoms at me a few months ago in October. And I took a look at that and it just blew me away when I played it. I fell in love with it so quick and I was like, wow, I just got to play it again and again. And I just loved the depth of the game and the, the size of the game experience, but yet being able to pack it into a little tuck box. And, and to me, that was just that was exactly what people were wanting and, and asking for and needing in the game industry right now is a nice, small micro game. We all love these little micro games, but they tend to fall a little bit shallow in terms of the epic experience that we like to get from the bigger box games. And, and Tiny Epic Kingdoms took that. And so, you know, it's just a matter of, again, whether I design it or I pick it up, putting it through a development process getting it played and played and played and just playing the heck out of it and, and tweaking it and working it and then exposing it and then moving into publication. Are you somebody that enjoys both sides or do you have a favorite side of designing and publishing? You know, I definitely enjoy both sides. I really love what comes from the design process and the publication process. And so, whereas I've been fortunate enough, thank you to the amazing Kickstarter community to have, you know, three of my own designs that are going to be hitting you know i've got rise dungeon heroes that are out right now already fantasy frontier will be coming out this summer and so i've really been able to experience that end of it and i and i love that and i you know i'll continue to work on my own games and, and design as well but there's nothing missing with tiny epic kingdoms in terms of my enjoyment of the experience picking up this game from scott alms and working hand in hand with scott on different things and and developing the game with him I'm having just as much fun doing this as I have done designing my own games. So in the end, I love it all. I know you've got a time crunch today and we definitely want to get this conversation in. So why don't, how about we go ahead and make the switch and, and you go ahead and, and tell us the uh, high level pitch for Tiny Epic Kingdoms, if you will. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Tiny Epic Kingdoms seriously is the biggest game you're going to get in a tiny box. This fits right in your pocket, and it's going to pack the punch of any big box Euro that's out there. You'll be playing the game, and when you're done, you're going to feel like you just had a grand experience, but yet, like you know, Lance, an undead Viking, if you saw the video, he tucks the game in his hat. You know, <laughs> It's that small. It fits in your hat. You know what I'm saying? And so you can take it anywhere. Anywhere that you're at, you can bust it out. You got a, a little playing space and you can have a grand, rich gaming experience. It's a 4X game. So you're going to be hitting those major 4X points and, and conquesting and civilization construction. It's fantastic. Yeah, I think that's one of the majorly interesting things about it. It's not only a micro game, but it's a 4X micro game, which I think until Tiny Epic Kingdoms came along, a lot of people would have kind of said that can't happen <laughs> yeah no kidding they would have and that i believe is a major contributor to the success that tiny epic kingdoms is experiencing is because it has shown people who were disbelievers that there is a true way to capture that grand experience of a 4x but put it in your pocket 
And we kind of alluded to it a little earlier, and I've talked about it off and on, but yourself and Gameland Games, I mean, you're no stranger to Kickstarter success by any means. I mean, you've had several projects out there. Uh, they've all been successful. So this is this is not your first run at a campaign. What early lessons uh, did you bring into bringing Tiny Epic Kingdoms uh, into Kickstarter? You know what, Jeff? Great question. And it, I've got a lot to say on that topic and a lot that I think will really help other people who are looking to start Kickstarters of their own and follow a similar path. I have to say that I love BoardGameGeek.com and what that offers this business because that has been the key contributor to my my marketing campaign and just getting the buzz developed over the the span of the Kickstarter projects I've run in the past. That's always been an element that I've tried to become more involved with and. You know, I, I would use the page views of a game as kind of a tangible statistic that I could say, all right, if I can generate X number of views on this BGG page, because I know that this is a niche board game database, these views are relevant. These are people who are, are relevant customers who would, you know, are checking out this game. And so that number means a lot to me. And so I would set goals for myself and say, okay, you know, I want to try to hit 5,000 page views before I launch on Kickstarter. Uh, and then the next game, I'm like, I got to beat that. I want to, I want to try to get 8,000 page views. And that's not easy. 8,000 maybe doesn't seem like a huge number if you're checking out these monster games, but it is a big number. And especially if the game's not out yet, to try to get that amount of exposure is, is tricky. And there's a lot that goes into that. And I, I, that's what I put a lot of my effort into figuring out how to maximize that. And so, with Fantasy Frontier, let's take that as an example because it's my, my most recent previous Kickstarter before Tiny Epic Kingdoms. I was able to launch that at about 9,000 page views when I hit Kickstarter. And to me, that was huge. That was a huge success. I had set that goal for myself and I had achieved that goal and I was very happy and the game went on to do very well. And so to me, that translated as direct effort into payoff and reward. And Tiny Epic Kingdoms, I just took it to the next level. Things that I had learned on the previous games about how to get on the front page and then how to get that buzz going and then how to hit the hotness, how to stay on the hotness and when to post images and it's timing and it's all these different things that go into it. I took all of that that I had built up over the previous games and I, I just laid it all out on Tiny Epic Kingdoms and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this one and I'm going to do it better and I'm going to hit 15,000 views before I launch this game. And Jeff, I launched the game on Kickstarter. I was at 45,000 views. Nice. And you know, part of that can be contributed to you're always actively working on getting information out. And part of that information, my friend, is the beautiful artwork you always come up with. So uh, what, what's, uh, what's your thought process behind the art going into a lot of your games? I don't do the art. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's my thought process. I am not picking up a pen or a pencil, let me tell you. No, art is very important. And I know it's very important because that is a major part of what makes the tangible product so enjoyable when it's sitting on your table with Rise having been a very aesthetic looking game where, where the bright colors and the tower building, all that was, there was really no art in it, but the, how it looks on a table while being played is very artistic and that draws attention to it. And I knew that art is such a big part. And so, you know, it's just a matter of, of seeking out 
different styles, different artists. And for instance, Fantasy Frontier, I was able to discover Naomi into the board game business via DeviantArt.com. So she had never done board games before. She had done some other things, but I went on there and I, I know that there was a, you know, that's a place where artists meet. I did some searching for airships because I wanted to have some, you know, obviously Fantasy Frontier was all about airships and I, I really wanted to have an artist that was experienced in that. I found a few images that I loved from different artists. Sometimes their contact information is a little hard to get off of DeviantArt, but there's other ways that you can kind of work around to follow links and eventually you can find a contact form. And so I reached out to, I'd say, 10 different artists that did airships that I would be happy with. Naomi happened to be my favorite out of those 10. And surprisingly, she was one of the four that got back to me, but the only one that actually could work within the budget that I had set for myself as a small publisher. I don't have a lot of available capital to put into different parts of the project ahead of time. But, you know, we found an arrangement. I was able to work out a deal with her to where she could, in the end, be compensated for her beautiful and talented work. But there was a little bit of an investment on her end where she needed to kind of trust some things. And boy, it really paid off. And she did great. And the game did great. And the art is so beautiful. And when somebody buys a Gamelin Games product, they're getting more than a game. They're getting a piece of art. They're getting a, a little treasure that they can have that's sturdy, that's durable, that's going to last, and but is also beautiful and, and thematic. Yeah, Fantasy Frontier, I mean, the early catch was all the art you were sharing, and it, it is absolutely beautiful art. Can't wait to actually play the game. But uh, yeah, it pulled you in right away. And uh, just kind of a little context for some of the things that you said along the way about, you know, uh, increasing your page views and all that stuff and, and wanting the next game to to do better and be better. Fantasy Frontiers, what'd you get? A little over $43,000? Yeah. Yep. You were looking, what were you looking at? Uh, 20? You know, I, I set that one for 25000 Okay, 25. Was a, yeah, much bigger game than I was used to. Right. In the past, and truth be told, 25 wasn't even really going to cover everything. It was a little bit risky to run it at that. I knew that if it just hit 25, I'd have to put some of my own money into it. But I was, you know, it was a risk that I was willing to take. Luckily enough, the project superseded that and, and has totally taken care of itself. And then so we're looking at Tiny Epic Kingdoms, which is still running and running until February 8th. And you were looking for 15000 there, and you're already sitting at a little over $73,000 for this game. Uh, so obviously, my friend, it is working for you. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. And you know what? You must be having the browser up, and you must be looking at it right now with, as, a, as am I, because it just passed over thirty or 73000 So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a really neat experience. It's different than anything in the past with my previous Kickstarters. They have had success, but this has taken it to a new level and it's it's kind of uncharted territory for me, but I love it. It's it's challenging me. There's a lot of comments. There's a lot of involvement. There's almost 2,500 backers. My largest in the past was, you know, Fantasy Frontier at 775 backers roughly. And so just the the sheer amount of communication and, and time that I need to spend answering comments, emails, direct messages, Facebook messages, whatever, you name it. I have to check all these different sources because every one of them's got 10 different things being said to me. <laughs> and so that has been a unique and interesting challenge for me to step up to. But like I said, from, from coming from a hospitality business like the restaurant business, I love interacting with people. I love 
solving problems. And sometimes people come up with these questions that, that are a little bit tricky or you get the same question twice. And, and I never, you know, 10 times you get the same question, but I don't, I don't treat it any differently. Each, each person needs to be handled with respect and care. And I pour that into it. And I, you know, can't help but believe that part of what has helped build the brand of Gameland Games is my dedication and effort to being transparent and being involved. Definitely. I mean, you, you are very transparent. You are very involved. You're active. And like I said, dude, you're the happiest guy in gaming I know. And that, that translates well across the board. Every time I, I saw you at Gen Con, you had just a huge smile on your face and it was just infectious, <laughs> which luckily most of the times I saw you when you had a huge smile on your face, I had already had caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Let me tell you. You know, let me ask you this. I mean, you've, you've got several uh, successful projects under your belt. For everybody else out there, does it ever get easy? Uh, no, man. It only gets harder. <laughs> this one is definitely harder, <laughs> but it's a blast. It's a it's a fun hard. It's a good challenge. It's not it's not hard like working you know out of, out in the. I live in Arizona and I I see these guys repairing the the highway out in the heat and I feel for them and and that's a different kind of hard and and I don't know that I can do that, but. This is a totally different kind of challenge, it, and it's a, it's a lot more mental, and you you got to be able to just keep the right mindset when interacting with people and, and always be respectful, and, and that is in and of itself a challenge, and that doesn't get easier necessarily when projects blow up like this. <laughs> and I'm assuming that uh, you've got some things in the background that we, we're, this is not the uh, last thing we're going to see from Gameland Games in a while. Absolutely not. I plan to make Gameland Games my lifelong career. Uh, I see myself in many, many years still putting out great quality products and being involved, showing up at conventions, shaking hands, giving hugs, you name it, man. I love <laughs> the gamers. I love this business and I want to do it the rest of my life. Well, I'm not going to keep you too much longer so I can, uh, I, I know, like I said, I know you got some stuff coming up, but let's end on, on this one. Somebody's checking out tiny epic kingdoms and they just got out of a cave somewhere and, and didn't know it existed until now. <laughs> uh, and besides the fact that they're looking at, holy crap, this guy's got a ton of money already. And there's a ton of people that already think it's a good idea. <laughs> Let's say they're looking at it and going, uh, I think this might be for me. What are like one or two things that you would give them to make them say, you're right. I have to back this game. You know what? Great question. And tell you what, here's the answer. I'll give you the game. There's a free print and play. All you got to do is, is jump onto Kickstarter, jump onto BGG, go to Tiny Epic Kingdoms, and I'll let you just have the game for free and you can play it and you can see for yourself that it's fantastic. And then I'll see you over on Kickstarter. Excellent. All right. So we are looking at Tiny Epic Kingdoms. It is sitting on Kickstarter right now. Was looking for 15000 but you know, he'll take more. Uh, it's already currently a little over $73,000. It goes until February 8th, 2014. If you haven't already checked it out, you are one of the few. So go check it out and uh, give him some love. And of course, as always, check out the show notes. Uh, we will have uh, links not only to the Kickstarter, but to Gameland Games and how you can uh, reach Michael on uh, Twitter and all that good stuff as well, because uh, this is definitely somebody you want to keep an eye on for sure. 
Gameland Games is a great company. And uh, like I said, uh, Michael's one of the happiest guys I know, and, and I'm happy to have gotten to know him. And he's one of the reasons why I still do what I do to bring you uh, people like this and projects like this, uh, because it's a good community. It's a great community to be involved in. So, Michael, thank you, man, for hanging out with me and having a conversation and uh, sharing some tips and, of course, letting us know a little bit more about Tiny Epic Kingdoms and Gameland Games. Hey, you're welcome, Jeff. My pleasure, man. Thank you. And good to chat with you again.